Welcome to the Father's Day. I'm Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. Remember that you can support the Father's Day now by going to the fatherstate.tv slash donate. And also we are on locals.com. So click the link in the description there to support our work. I have with me Dr. Aaron Edwards. He is a Christian theology lecturer, writer, and preacher from the UK, all the way around the world. Uh, Dr. Edwards, thank you so much for coming on. I do appreciate it. Thank you. No, good to have you, Jesse. Yeah, it's amazing that I was telling you earlier that I could be in the United States and we having a, a conversation with someone in the UK on real time. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Good technology. Sorry, I just realised I said good to have you. As if I'm you're on my show, but you're not actually. I, I'm on, I'm on your show. For, <laughs> apologies there. Hey, do I so do I call you Reverend or do I call you Jesse? What's the appropriate Jesse, term? just Jesse. Jesse's fine. Yeah, good. absolutely. How about you? You want to be called Doctor Edward or El, uh, or just your first name? Yeah, call me. <laughs> yeah, call me the Doctor. No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah, Aaron's fine. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> amazing. And so how did you become a theologian preacher, theological preacher? Yeah, I, I became a theologian preacher kind of accidentally. I became a Christian sort of accidentally, really, um, when I was a 16-year-old. Um, I, I'd, I think I'd planned to, I'd, I'd been introduced to Christianity and um, sensed it was true, but I wanted to put it off for as long as I could. So I thought I'd live the kind of, reprobate life as long as I could and then <laughs> and then maybe deathbed repentance type thing and then I think I wanted to keep putting it off and I, some people just I got to know in a church they were asking me to pray with them about something about praying whether I do this thing called an alpha course um, which is a thing in the UK where like a 10-week introduction slowly takes you through it I was hoping to do one of them just to kind of put the decision off a bit longer and then they just started praying with me and said oh, why don't you just repeat after us and they just started praying the sinner's prayer and then I sort of accidentally prayed it after them, and then I got saved without really intending to. So there we are, <laughs> and then it went, led from there. And then um, from, from that point, I, yeah, I, I kind of studied, I had an interest in theology and the Bible, and eventually went to university. Didn't really intend to be doing theology, but um, I did English literature as my undergraduate, and then through various things, that doors kept opening to do theology. And I didn't really, I didn't really like a lot of academic theology. A lot, a lot of it's very um, egotistical, uh, the, the whole world it's in, but I sort of felt God calling me into it, almost like a Trojan horse. <laughs> nice. Um, so there we are. And so you 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 went to school to be a preacher, but God did, did God call you to be a preacher? Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, the first sermon I preached was, uh, I feel God woke me up early in the morning I was, on, on the day of a football tournament I was playing in. Um, so I should have been getting my rest. So that's, so that's soccer to you guys. We actually right. kick the football when we say football. You guys chuck it, don't you? Um, but we, so I woke up early and I just had this sermon in my head and felt I needed to write it down. I needed to find a way to preach it. I didn't even have a, a way in which I could preach it. And then I finally got a half opportunity. I was like, I'm preaching this sermon here. Um, and that's how it happened for me. Um, and then from that point, yeah, being called into, um, you know, I don't think I, I didn't go to school to learn to be a theologian in, in many ways. I don't think any of us do. We, we kind of, God teaches us theologically. We might hone our skills, but academic theology is a kind of different thing altogether. It's like learning how to be an academic and speak in academic terms and uh, familiarize yourselves with different kinds of sources. 
uh, which is a different thing to, to like the, the kind of fire in the belly that you need uh, to be a preacher, I would say, as and, I'm sure you have, Reverend. <laughs> That's right. And you say you got saved. Where did you get saved from? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I was, I was just living a usual teenage life, you know, getting drunk, a bit of weed and stuff like that, and, and, and just sort of living as all my friends were at that time. We, we just sort of, you know, depression and, and find the kind of self-involvement. Uh, um, I think I'd, in many ways I wouldn't say I was like, I didn't have the kind of testimony where I was a complete, like a drug dealer type thing where everything completely, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I was the worst person on earth. I kind of didn't think I needed Christianity. I thought I was pretty happy. And then, but actually I realized I wasn't. And I realized the contrast when I saw Christian love in action, when I saw the church in action, when I saw these people, the way they were, spoke to each other, the way they cared for each other in, in response, in, in contrast to my, the way I live my life, it was just completely radically different. So I just realized, wow, this Holy Spirit guy is uh, is up to something and is is at work. And that was kind of powerful to see. Do you believe that human beings are in a fallen state? Oh, I see what you did there with the uh, <clears throat> name of your show. Yeah, um, so the, so I, absolutely, I believe that we are all in a fallen state until we're reconciled to God. I think we're all, all humans are created in God's image. Um, but we've all tarnished that image with our sin. We've inherited sin from our father uh, uh, of humanity, as it were, Adam. But we've also sort of participated in that ourselves. And so we are fallen and we are depraved and need to be uh, woke, awoken, basically brought to life, as it says in, in Ephesians, that God, God's rich, God who's rich in mercy and in the great love with which he loved us, he raised us from the dead when we were dead in our sins. And so there's no, no person, however good they are, um, is good enough to s- sort of lift themselves out of the trough, lift themselves out of the pit themselves. They need to be wrenched out by God. And that's what we've all been. If those of us who call ourselves Christians, that's what, that's what our story is. Whatever, whether we were drug dealers or not, yeah. um, beforehand, we've all been lifted out of the pit, the miry bog and our feet placed on a rock, uh, able to sing praises to God. And so have you overcome the fallen state? Um, yeah, I mean, that, I, would not, I would not, wouldn't normally put it in those terms, but I, I would say, in a way, yes, because I'm justified. Uh, any Christian is justified who, who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord. Um, you're saved. Um, it doesn't mean you're completely free of the entanglements of sin. And that's why, you know, in the New Testament, we have met various sort of warnings and cautions against sin. Now, like, don't return to that old life. Don't, don't return to your vomit like a dog returning to its vomit. So we all still struggle in, in our, you know, returning to that fallen state. But in reality, our identity is, my identity, I would say, as any Christian should be, is that we are justified um, and we're being sanctified or being made holy, even though we don't always feel it because we, we still struggle, that kind of thing. And, and what is sin exactly? What is sin Sin is uh, being separated from God. It's, it's when you go against God's law, when you, when you uh, disobey God, basically, in the way that he's set, uh, his, his commands that he's set out, his, um, his ideal for what it is to live a good human life. So when you, when you, when you choose the path of disobedience, uh, is what leads to sin. I guess the, you know, the first example being Eve taking, taking the fruit 
from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when told not to. But Satan comes in and tempts her to say, actually, he's only telling you that because he, he wants to keep something from you. And if you if you go this, you'll be better. You, you'll be elevated. You'll be like God. Um, and so that temptation to disobey God's clear command is is what sin is. And we all struggle with that, whoever whoever we are, whatever our name is, whether we've got reverend or doctor before our name, right. we all struggle with sin. And so are you saying that sin is when you disobey God? Yeah, oh, sin see. is disobedience to God. And do you ever disobey him now? Yeah, I do. I do disobey him. And, and if it's, you've been uh, saved from it, how is it possible to disobey him if you've been saved from sin? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like <clears throat> saying my, my children disobey. I've got five children. Good. Um, they disobey. You, you're white, Sorry? right? I, I, <laughs> yeah. We need more white yeah, babies. <laughs> we do. That's it. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can't say that in our country. Uh, you know, I'll get in trouble for that. Um, really? Why but, do you get yeah. in trouble for saying we need more white babies? Oh, anything. You say, you say anything, uh, you just be called a white supremacist. You know, I did a, we did a, uh, I, did, I have a podcast called Part of the Gaps and about 30 odd episodes ago. We did an episode called uh, What's the Difference Between Men and Women? Um, or How Different Are Men and Women, we called it. And there's three guys in a podcast together. Um, and when we did all these other episodes on, you know, homosexuality, on all these kind of hot topic issues, trans, on race, critical race theory, um, everyone was saying, all these evangelicals were telling us, oh, well done, guys, you're really saying the stuff that no one else is saying. <laughs> when we did something on women, they were like, why wasn't there a woman in the conversation? And I was like, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that you didn't mind us? We weren't gay. We're not trans, we're not black. Um, but we can talk about that stuff. But as soon as we talk about women, we have to be women in order to do it. Otherwise, you tell us off. Yeah. So then we did a follow-up episode called What Are Three White Men Allowed to Talk About? And that went, that went really, uh, <laughs> really crazy. That made them all mad. And one of the guys had to leave the podcast as a result. He got completely cancelled, which was a shame. Well, but it was basically because crazy. it was like... It sounded white supremacist just because we put white in the title. The white people aren't allowed to like say anything relating to like whiteness. You can't push back against critical race theory. Goodness no. But anyway, yeah. So I was oh, going to say, so five kids, yeah, which might be unusual. Um, That's nice. In my why do why do white men put up with being attacked like that? Why don't they fight back? Because we, I think there's a bit of a guilt complex which is, they've been given. It's not a real guilt complex because I don't believe. I'm culpable for this white people's sins in previous generations. But when you're told that all your life that you are privileged, if you're a white male, you're privileged. Um, and even if you weren't personally complicit in any of the things that happened, you've benefited from those. Therefore, you walk around life in a completely different world to your black uh, equivalent. Um, and I just think that's not true. I think there might be sometimes true. There might be, there are white people who are more privileged than black people, but there's also black people who are more pri privileged than white people. It depends on their situation. And there yeah. might even be a critical mass of white people in certain in countries, but that might be because that's the pre prevailing de demographic and they can't really do anything about it. So because of that guilt, they almost feel a guilt for their privilege um, and then swallow that lie. And then it becomes, oh gosh, I must, yeah, I mustn't ever really uh, they might take my privilege away from me if I don't do what they say. So it's a bit like, I often use the analogy of Neville Chamberlain before the Second World War. A P, he had this policy, he was the Prime Minister of England, uh, of Britain, and he, he a, P, a policy of appeasement to Adolf Hitler. 
And basically, they all knew how bad Hitler was. Maybe they would say they didn't know he was quite so bad. And they had Winston Churchill, who wasn't in power, saying, this guy's really bad. Don't do a deal with him. You can't appease people like him. And he just kept trying to do it to stop. We don't, we don't want the conflict. We don't want the confrontation. So if we can just keep him happy, if we can give him a bit of Czechoslovakia, let him take back the Rhineland, he'll, he'll leave us all alone. It'll be fine. And of course, he was never going to do that. So you're basically feeding the wolves. And I think that's what we see with, the, with critical race theory today. We're feeding wolves because people yeah. are taking more and more advantage of it. And so therefore we feel, gosh, let's keep, let's avoid the confrontation at all costs because the worst thing you could be called is a racist or a bigot or a homophobe, whatever. And so that, that kind of fear is gripping a lot of people. And we've lost so much ground in just truth and reality yeah. as a result of that. So that's kind of part of the problem. It's interesting, too, to me, is that white people invite or allow the people of color to come into their countries, and, which are amazing countries, and they allow these people to come in. And some of them were born there, but they allow these blacks and Allahu Abba people, the Muslim people and others to come into mm-hmm. their countries. And they come into the white man's land and they take over it and accuse him and take it away from him. And instead of the white man throwing him out, he become afraid and let them take over the land. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's complex. There are complexities in the sense that it is understandable. that we can't. It's not as simple as going, we let people come in. Because in some cases in Britain... I mean, certainly in the U.S., it's even more complex because you had slavery for longer than the rest of us. But slavery um, wasn't a big deal over here. No, but, you had, but then you had segregation, Jim Crow, obviously. So it's like with with that, you have people sort of maybe grandfatherly living memory. In fact, you, I think, uh, were alive during some segregation, weren't you? So you'll have, you'll have had... Um, I grew up on, you know, a, on a plantation yeah. under the Jim yeah. Crow laws. But blacks were not crazy like they are today. They were not out of control. Yeah. The Jim Crow yeah. law wasn't a big deal at all. Right. Well, I mean, there was obviously some who will say it was, but it's like it's a different... But either way, and in Britain, there's, we didn't have, you know, a, a massive... Uh, we didn't have loads of black people there from having plantations. But what we did is in, after the Second World War, there's a, a few decades in which, you know, there were generations brought in from different imperial or Commonwealth countries... Um, like from the, the Caribbean, for example, and, and other places from Pakistan. Um, and so because of that kind of former British Empire connection, we had there was a kind of an avenue of traffic and we could rely upon people to come and help with the industry and with uh, various economical things in the post-war years. And because of that, then obviously they'll bring their families over, that kind of thing. So it's a bit, it's complex in the sense that it's, we're not dealing with like illegal immigrants or anything coming in. They were, they were welcomed and, and it was helpful to have them here. I think the challenge we have now is we've got this thing called multiculturalism yeah. where everyone says, isn't it wonderful that everyone, that we can have all these cultures together? And really what it means is the white Anglo-Saxon culture just gets to kind of commit suicide and say, so you're not really allowed to be proud of your culture, but everyone else's culture who's come here, um, they can be proud of theirs. And if you disagree, you're probably racist. And I think that's the kind of again, classic accusation. You're just a racist. Okay. Um, I've heard a great, uh, there's a quote from a guy called Doug Wilson a pastor in Idaho um, who says a, he was asked to define a racist. He said, a racist is anyone who is winning an argument with a liberal. <laughs> uh, so, it's just like when a liberal wants to kind of get one under them or undermine them, just call them a racist right. and that will kind of do the job. Um, so you, that kind of tends to be the issue. Are you afraid? Oh, so let me ask this. Um, they, are into, they are in your country, they are in the white man country, in America, 
over the UK and other countries, the Western world that were created by white people, knowing that they were trying to shut white people down and like, oh, our culture is better than your culture. Our culture is special. Why not give them the finger and just throw them out? Yeah, it's too, it's too late for that. I, I don't think I'd, it's too complex now because I don't think you've got British people who are, who are fully British, who are not white. So I don't think we would call it white man's country. I'd say historically, yeah, the critical mass is, would still be you right. know, white Anglo-Saxons. But right. It, it's too complex now because you can't then go, well, we're going to chuck you guys. It wouldn't really work. It's not really Why what we want to do. We want to just say, because we would, I don't think we'd want to, because we'd say, look, it, it, it's not about race. That's the kind of thing. It's actually, they're trying to make it about race. Right. It's not really about race. It's, right. it's more cultural. It's more saying, hey, I don't really, it's, that's what the Martin Luther King thing was, wasn't it? Like the content of your character rather than the color of your skin. Now we're literally making it about the color of your skin. We're making it racist. So I've sat in so many ridiculous like academic training sessions about unconscious bias you must have heard of this i don't, I know, who, I don't know whether we invented it or you invented it but, <laughs> or i don't know who's crazier the uk is more liberal but the american liberalism is also kind of crazy, especially in the north just yeah, crazy so crazy. It, it's like so we have we sit there and i and i i'd be the kind of awkward guy in the room going you know like i don't how do you know that i'm unconsciously biased against black people how do you know how do you how are you conscious of what I'm unconscious of. You've got to be conscious of that. How do you get inside my head and understand yeah. not only what I'm conscious of, but what I'm not conscious of? Yeah. You know, we just know. We just know you must be because you're a white privileged male. I said, like, how do you know? You don't know anything about my life. I could be poor. How do you know? Just even the clothes I'm wearing, how do you know? I might just put, you know, I That's might look a to certain point, man. to show Absolutely. you. They just decide. They just decide. And they impose it on people and just decide, right, that's how you've got to be. And then most people just sort of put up with it because it's, again, avoiding conflict is easier Maybe. than challenging it. So, you know. You mentioned the uh, civil rights movement here with Martin Luther King. One of the worst things that ever happened to the blacks in America, other than abortion, the worst thing that ever happened to them, the blacks, is uh, the civil rights movement. That should have never happened. It was a socialist movement. It was about destroying the families and, and, and selling the blacks over to the Democratic Party and so that the civil rights leaders can become the head of the people. And mm. it has caused mm. more damage to the blacks in our country mm. than any other thing other than abortion. The blacks mm. have never returned. They never overcame the civil rights movement, whereas before that, they were doing very well. They were thinking mm. like individuals. As individuals, they had family. They were working hard. They treated people, all people, white and non-white, the way they, they would like to be treated. But that mm. all changed when the civil rights movement happened. It was a big mistake mm. to allow that to happen in America. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, not, I mean, I've heard, certainly heard, sometimes heard those takes. I mean, I don't know enough about it to know whether I could um, agree with that or not. Because, again, I, we just hear, yeah, the heroic. I certainly know there's bad stuff that comes downstream from civil rights stuff. But I, it's, it's hard to, bad. it's hard having not... Having not had segregation here, I, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been for a black person. So I kind of think that definitely needed to end. I think segregation obviously needed to end. So how else might it have ended? I think you're right that off the back of it, it's a bit like with feminism. Um, we go, we imagine everything was terrible before feminism. All of the women were oppressed. They're all just abused and they hate their life. <laughs> you think, well, okay, how did all of the women for thousands of years just hate their life? Why do they keep having babies? Oh, they're probably just being raped by their husbands all the time. Oh, really? 
okay, it's just they just put up with that for like generations. And, yeah, yeah, all of the men were always in control. That's just complete nonsense. So then what it does is clearly something was wrong that, that meant feminism kind of had to happen. And then as a result of that, they get to explain away everything. So it's like the narrative is like, Anything bad that happens because of feminism, all the destruction it causes to the family, yeah. well, what would you prefer women to be constantly abused all the time? And you're like, well, I don't think it's like that clear. But I presume with segregation, it's like, clearly that had to end. And it was not, I don't think it was good. I mean, you might have a different perspective. But I think I look at that and go, that's bad. Neither to end. Did it need to end in the way that brings in all of this destruction to the family? Absolutely not. And you can certainly say, you're right, black communities are hardly this bastion of liberation and, uh, right. you know, freedom now and a flourishing that's not happened and but, yeah. but some would argue on the other side they might argue that's good of the redlining that, that continues and therefore and maybe abortion and planned parenthood stuff so that yeah there, there are huge issues and i think the biggest the loss of the family certainly maybe civil rights yeah civil rights is part of that but feminism is a bigger issue because that came before and that's what's right. kind of was the harboring of abortion and then an abortion was used certainly to target black communities to kind of keep the black population down and then fatherhood gets kind of cut off and stuff like that, sexual promiscuity, sexual revolution. So I kind of think feminism is the bigger evil here um, than the civil rights movement. But, but maybe it's kind of civil rights stuff is downstream. It's this idea of like constant liberation yeah. without even defining what, what, that's, what liberation is supposed to look like. Why do you think that segregation was a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, like, like I said, we've never had anything... Unless I'm going crazy here. I didn't think we ever had a, anything like that in in our country, but I'm sure there's some horrend there are horrendous things in, the, in our country's history, including slavery. But, but why in do terms you of think like, that segregation was about? You said well, that. Well, it just sure because it was because it was why do you yeah, think it was that segregation was a bad thing? It just because it 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 like separated separated races in a way that did seem to continue the, the idea of. Um, one being better than the other. So clearly, if you're a white supremacist, and there were white supremacists and are white supremacists, then they're gonna, it allows them to kind of continue their like evil way of thinking because they can say, hey, like, I, at least I don't have to deal with these people that I, I've dehumanized in my head, even if legally I might not be allowed to say that out loud. Segregation allows them to do that. Um, Basically, and, and, and I, I know that I think I've read a book called, um, I don't know if you read Richard Weaver's The Ideas Have Consequences, uh, American Guy, 1948 book. I do understand the logic of some people who say there are issues with the loss of distinction of culture. If that's what you're getting at, I don't know. I don't see what you're getting at. But um, like, if you, if you just say that everything is in this giant melting pot and everything's egalitarian, everyone's kind of equal in everything every way and we don't have to distinguish between any person or any skill or any merit that is a bad thing for society i don't think it requires racial segregation to care about distinctiveness of different cultures if that you know that's kind of what i would say because again we've managed it in other there's other cultures that have managed uh, to care about distinctiveness of culture and community and you know well, families etc i'm here to tell you that segregation was not a bad thing as a matter of fact it mm -hmm. was a good thing because it allowed people to come together based on their own thinking, their own doing. It was based on character and not the color of the person. Because when segregation was happening in Alabama, blacks and whites got together better, got along better because they agreed on God, country, and mm -hmm. things like that. And so 
had not the civil rights movement gotten involved and, had, and the government had the so-called forced integration, we would be a closer nature, na- nation today because they try, mm. you can't force someone to love you, right? And they tried to mm. force the people on one another. And all that mm. that did was to buy, it, it divided the people more than it would had it happened naturally. The country mm. would have come together naturally and things would be much better today. And mm. I don't know if you know or not, but now that they have so-called integration, the blacks don't want to be with the whites. They don't want to mm. go to, they don't want to have graduations at different universities with the whites. They don't want to live in the same dorm as the whites because Mm. you can't force someone to love you. And that was a big mistake to end segregation by force rather than allow Mm. it to happen naturally. It should have Mm. happened that Mm. way. We would Mm. be one nation Mm. under God today had that happened because Mm. prior to that, we were doing just Mm. fine. Even though that law was there, the people still got together who wanted to be together. Mm. That's really interesting. I'll have, I'll have to read one of your books on it to uh, go further on it. One thing I certainly can say is, yeah, the situation now for the, for race in America and the Western world in, in general is is in an extremely unhealthy place. Yeah. Um. And 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 it, yeah, we can't keep saying, isn't it wonderful what happened? Because look at the liberation. I mean, we're now, you know, sixty odd years on, and and we're we're not in a healthier place. We're not in a healthy place. I don't know whether I can say it's healthier or not. You might to speak better to that than me, but it doesn't look like it's anyone's liberated. It doesn't look like anyone's more communal together as, yeah. as humans. So that's right. Yeah. I can, t- I can, and then I want to move on to something else, but I can tell you sure. right now we have a perfect example of what is happening and will happen in the United States and the UK, all the white countries, Western world. You're going to have South Africa. Because South Africa is a living example of what will happen as the blacks are taken over. They, uh, over in South Africa, as you know, at one time they had something called apartheid, another made-up mm. word, right? But uh, the white men were doing very well in South Africa. They were very aggressive, innovative. South Africa was beautiful. And the, white, and the black people sat over in the corner, blaming and looking at white people, then they got Nelson Mandela involved, who was, a, who was a communist socialist pig, and he told the black people, y'all can't make it. it it's segregation. The white man keep you down. And so they pressured, eventually, they pressured the white man, using words like racism or whatever they use, and they mm-hmm. uh, caused the white man to become afraid uh, to the point that white folks gave up South Africa, they moved out into the farmlands, and they told the blacks, okay, blacks, y'all can have the cities, you can have everything, we're leaving. And now South Africa is pure hell on earth, and the blacks, they destroyed everything the white man had done, and now they're going out into the farmlands and attacking the whites in the farmlands, mm-hmm. breaking in their home. Mm-hmm killing them or robbing or raping along the freeways, the highways and everything. That's what's happening in Europe and that's what's happening in America. And if white people don't mm. say no, it's going to be over. Can't you see that as a, or do you see that as a perfect example of the way things are going to turn out in the Western world if this is mm. not stopped? Mm. It's, a really, it's a really good question. I was in South Africa 15 years ago 
and I, um, my dad temporarily had lived out there. And, um, so I went to visit him out there and it was interesting seeing the contrast. I was uncomfortable as a white person there because all the white people had the money, all the black people were sitting around on the street looking for a job, just sitting on crates and like, you'd be like, yeah, can <laughs> do my garden today or whatever. And, and it was just, it felt, yeah, I said I felt uncomfortable because I was like, wow, this is kind of still very segregated, functionally speaking. A bit like how you say in the US, in the dorm rooms, people still segregate. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no very little love. And that was 1994 when apartheid ended. And, and you think, wow, that was, it's like, yeah, the, the, the solution doesn't seem to have brought liberation and freedom. Again, though, I would say that I saw, even while I was there, there's white guys there, Afrikaners and stuff who were like properly racist. And I just thought, yeah, and and, this, and the weird way is, I, 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 I condemn racism. I think racism is awful, and I, I was sad to see that and hear little conversations here. But sometimes you'd be waiting in the queue, and there'd be black people at the um, at the bank, for example, at the they're there with the tellers, and you'd, and if they, if they were slow, the white guys who were racist, probably anyway, which is sad, would then be more racist because they'd be kind of more annoyed. Oh, look, this is BE, like black employment, black BEE, black economic employment, um, which is the kind of policy to like, right, let's push black people into positions of influence just without necessary merit or training because Amazing. we need to kind of counteract apartheid. So it doesn't, it doesn't help. Right. But again, like the hard thing is, I do think that, yeah, apartheid had to end and it wasn't a good thing. And uh, we might disagree on that. I don't know, like the segregation thing, but again, how does it end? And what does it lead to? Does it lead to liberation? It hasn't. It's led to like a horrendous economic yeah. and a horrendous societal situation. So it, maybe it comes back to the issue that we need. It's only the gospel of Christ that ultimately is going to bring harmony and unity. We can't pretend Absolutely. that we can bring people together. We actually need to see the Holy Spirit needs to be at work in people's hearts to bring reconciliation and not just a political policy to like mold people together and say, you will get along, you will be multicultural and you will love it. Okay. That's kind of a totalitarian <laughs> kind of approach. So yeah, we need, I think we need a revival. Is what we need. Do you agree that uh, the UK, uh, the Western world is becoming South Africa as the blacks take over? It is becoming South Africa? I don't because the reason, I think critical race theory is, um, more like more invented by white people, right? Like, I think white it's almost kind of created in South Africa. They are using the blacks to create South Africa, which is so called uh, yeah, critical possibly. race yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's possible, but I actually think there'll be there'll be a pushback. So I don't necessarily think that will happen. I think the white a, a people thought that pushback. in South Africa too. They thought one day there will be a pushback. It never came. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. I, like I said, I, I think. It could be going that way in the institutions, for example. But let's say, for example, in my experience in the academy, yeah, I've had people say I sat in a in a panel just a year ago, the main major theological conference in the UK of all the theologians who are at different universities, and one of the most prominent black theologians in the country stood up and he gave a statistic about the, how few black people there were in lecturing faculty positions in all the departments, and it's mostly white guys in this room. And then everyone's nodding along because they know they have to nod along. Mm, this is terrible. And they're like, this is an apartheid. He used the phrase apartheid. This is an apartheid. And I was like, and it's just ridiculous. It's like, as though there's this coordinated attempt to be racist and to make sure black people don't get positions. It's yeah. like people in Britain, are, departments are falling over themselves trying to hire black people if they possibly could. Yeah. Black women, especially. Yeah. And so 
so the idea that there's this like conspiracy to keep them out of this is completely ludicrous. And the, the worst thing was all these people nodding along in these, in these panels. Mm, this is really important. We've got to do something about it. I think, okay, if you really believe this, stand up and quit your job now and then give it to a black person. Are you going to do that? Oh, no, it'd be really important for me to use my influence in my position. Oh, really? How interesting. How oh, interesting that you get to keep your job, but you tell all these other people not to get a job or to lose theirs. It's, it's, it's completely hypocritical. So I do think that's a huge problem. It's probably uh, corroded the, the kind of integrity of the academy in the West, for sure. I don't, know, I don't see it as like blacks taking over. That's not the kind of language I would use. I would see it as a kind of almost an intellectual virus. Where no one's really seeing truth well, and reality. I, I, I won't say blacks taking over, but white letting the blacks take over. They're giving it to them. What, yeah. and they're destroying it. The black people are destroying it. Um, do you believe that racism exists? Exists. I mean, I I do. Yeah. I mean, I believe, I believe there are people who believe that um, some races are superior or inferior to others, and therefore. They discriminate, yeah. But why do you believe racism is this? Because I don't see any proof of racism. I've never seen it. Uh, I just I know it is a word, but why do you personally believe racism exists? Why do I believe it exists? Yeah. Um, well, because I, I know that there are people who, who prefer um, their own kind over someone else. But why would and you call that racism, though? We have a right to... Be- prefer what we want to prefer why do you call that racism? yeah because i think if you see someone else as inferior then that's like that and you've chosen the demarcator as color of skin which historically there were people who theologically argued obviously that god had ordained white people to have superiority and black people to be inferior that's how they excused it and, and salved their conscience during slavery for example so i think you do still see elements of that today. I think I don't think it's the only thing. I think some people see everything through the lens of racism. Just because someone thinks something, the, the, that's them thinking that. That doesn't mean it's reality. They're thinking that in their mind. That doesn't mean that someone else is thinking that. Just because an individual thinks mm. that. And so that's not a proof of racism. Because mm. someone can think you are racist, but you know you're not. I'm not a racist. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. you are racist. You're like, no. I think so. They're thinking that in their head. Doesn't make it true just because another person thinking. So that's not evidence that racism exists. Do you have any more evidence? Any more proof? Well, like it's not just it's observing behavior in others, isn't it? So it's observe, if you see if you see a load of people from one race attacking people uh, from another race with the expressed intention, and they they express it outwardly, they are doing this because of this person's uh, skin color. Or they think this person is inevitably going to be bad at this or this because of their skin color. That would be discriminating against someone on the basis of their race, I would have thought. Do black people in the UK attack white people? Not not as much as they do in the US. Um, but do, they, I don't do think the it blacks happens. attack white people in the UK? It doesn't happen too. I can't. I can't think of too many instances where it happens. Do the black people attack white people in the UK? Well, like I said, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it happens too often in terms of prominent. Does it ever happen? I'm sure it does happen. Yeah, yeah. It's just not something I've kind of thought of much, really. So it does happen, though. Yeah, it can. It, can, it certainly. I mean, there, there are instances where it does happen. Yeah. Is that racism? If if 
It depends. If they're, if they're just attacking them, it's not necessarily racism. Why not? Why isn't that racism? Well, it is if, if they have the intention of doing it because they're white. I'm going to attack this person because they're white. Um, that's racism. But if they, that- if, and and I, I also believe, I believe that the attack happens ideologically more than in terms of physical violence. So, so I think that saying, white people are attacked. Are you saying that black people don't attack white people because they're white? Oh, no, of course. Yeah, it does happen. I'm just saying and, I, and I don't, is that I don't, racism? it's not like an epidemic. Is that racism? Yeah, yeah, that is. Oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Do you when love, it, when white, it happens, it do you love white people? Do I love white people? Uh-huh. Do you love white people? I love some white people, yeah. Do you love white people? Per se, I mean, I, I, I don't love all white people, but love all black people. <laughs> uh, do you believe that white supremacy exists? I mean, it, do, it does. Yeah, there are people who are who believe. There are people who believe that white people are, super, are superior to black people, and which do is you what believe white supremacy. Black supremacy exists. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Um, does God? Being a preacher, does God say that racism or white supremacy exists? God says you shouldn't draw distinctions between people um, when it comes to fellowship. So in James, for example, um, you don't you don't distinguish someone because they're rich or because they're poor, and we could and we also don't count a Greek or a Jew um, as being preferable in terms of. Um, salvation, for example, in Galatians three. So, yeah, there's uh, we would just apply that to any discrimination, but regardless does, of what it is. I think I think God, racism is a modern does, a modern category for sure of how we distinguish between how we discriminate. But just another way of us sinning. We sin in all sorts of ways, and we discriminate. Humans have discriminated against people since time right. immemorial. So right. it's not. I think we do make too bigger. We assume that racism is the worst imaginable thing. Does God um, say racism is this? Yeah, I think God thinks racism exists because it does where, exist. Where does I don't, God I don't say think, racism I don't, exists? I don't think racism is a, a specific theme in scripture, but I do think discrimination against people on the basis of who they are does occur. Yeah. Do you ever discriminate? Yeah. And, I mean, it depends what you mean by discriminate. If you mean discriminate, do you mean do I notice that someone is a certain color or a certain gender or whatever it is, and then act accordingly, then yeah. But so, I don't think in, if, if discrimination means you think of them ill without them being an individual that you actually see as an individual who, who can kind of prove you wrong. When you were dating before you, you're married now, right? Yeah. When you were dating, did you prefer a fine woman or a fat woman? <laughs> Yeah, a slim woman, I think. So you preferred yeah. a fine woman over a fat woman, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So, so I discriminate, you're right, yeah. And so did you choose the fine woman or the fat woman? I chose the, I chose the one I was attracted to, that's right, who was, who was a slim you, woman. You chose the fine one, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. So you were discriminating. I was discriminating. It's true. There's there's positive discrimination as well. So but what I mean so is, if God you think is of not someone, happy with you discriminating. Yeah, but I mean, I th- that's different because I think we're talking there <laughs> oh, about that's different. particular choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're talking about a particular choice. So we're talking about a kind of choice you might make um, in terms of who you're attracted to, or, or um, 
a choice for you personally, like which is definitely choosing a partner is a different thing to saying, I think that all, if I said that all fat women or something, or I say all large women, I disrespect them or I think that they're, they're terrible people. In the same way that someone would say, a racist person, a supremacist would say, all people who are belonging to this race are um, terrible people because all they're inferior people in some way. I don't think... Yeah. How about I don't if a white man said out loud, I don't yeah. want no black woman for my wife and my children. I only want a white woman. Not a black woman, never, ever, ever, I'm not. Uh-uh. Will he be a white supremacy? Not necessarily, because he might just say that's who I'm attracted to. Right. But if he says, I'm not having a black woman because I don't want black children. Right. Um, because, With, because I believe black children are worse, then that would be... Yeah. Why would that would that be racist? I think that would be racist if you said I, if you said I don't want to have said I don't I could be attracted to a black woman, but if I had mixed race children, it would be bad. It would be kind of polluting or something. I think that would be racist. Why? But I think, Why do you think that would be racist? Because if they that's said his, that's his I, personal I did, preference, it's, it might be personal preference. But if they if they're saying it for the, it depends on the individual, doesn't it? It depends if the person's actually thinking, I. Um, I disdain these kinds of people rather than aesthetic. So, yeah, I guess you could have an aesthetic thing where you go, I prefer this colour. I prefer this, literally prefer this colour. Whereas if you have a, the ideology, I think, of racism would be, I, if I have children of this colour, um, I will have inferior children. And that would be racist. Whereas if you said, I don't like the colour, it, it's an aesthetic difference. Which is the difference. So if you're attracted to someone who's black or if you're attracted to someone who's white, that's an aesthetic thing. If you say, I will not, I will decide never to marry somebody who's black, then that would be an ideological thing because you've made a decision based on what it means rather than just the aesthetics. Amazing. Kind of how I see it. So God does not say that racism exists or white supremacists exist. He says that our battle is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not mm-hmm. against flesh and blood but against spirits and principalities and wickedness. It's a spiritual mm-hmm. battle, not a physical battle at all. Mm-hmm. And so he mm-hmm. said that it's not racism, it's spiritual. Why do you, especially as a preacher, why do you say it's physical when he says it's spiritual? I think because the spiritual is worked out in and through the, the real, the world of we live in so we're not gnostics we don't believe that the spirit world is the real world and the flesh is like a kind of matrix style uh virtual simulation and we don't really need to care about it like the flesh the things the spiritual world is still worked out in and through the flesh which is why your bodies matter and what you do with your body matters um and therefore uh how you treat one another matters so i think there are for sure um, ways that we can overemphasize fleshly um, divisions and fleshly categories. But evil—it um, is a spiritual battle. Evil works through the flesh, right? Through the body. Evil spirit works through the body, the mind and emotions, right? Yeah, but it can work. Through, but that doesn't mean so. So can the Holy Spirit, right? So I'm about to say, when you're born again of the Father, then good mm-hmm. works through the body, right? Mm-hmm. So it's still spiritual. And if you have not been born again of the Father, then you are an evil person, and that evil spirit is working through you. That's not racism. It's the word of evil. 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, evil is the heart of it. So we, I guess you, but, but there's different so manifestations. So why not call it evil rather than giving it a dress up name to hide the fact that it's evil by calling it racism or white supremacy? Why not call it evil? Because that's what it is. And how would the people mm -hmm. know it's evil if you're telling them that it's mm -hmm. something that is not? You're covering up evil mm -hmm. by calling it racism rather than calling it what it is so that people can see what's really going on. Mm. No, I can see it. I can see the value of that just to say actually that we cloud the issue by, um, or, yeah, by kind of putting a certain category in it when the, the real, reality is we need to call evil evil. So as so, yeah. a preacher, why do you go along with the world way of covering up evil and calling it something that is not? Yeah, I don't think I do. I think I don't think I go to town. You believe uh, racism, about racism. You, believe, you believe that white supremacy. So you're going along yeah, with the yeah. evil people covering up evil. No, it's not covering up evil. You're just you're, you're just naming it specifically. So it's like saying but evil doesn't why do we call lust? You need to call evil as it is, so you can know yeah, what you're but, dealing with to overcome but Paul, it. But Paul, Paul lists different sins, doesn't he, in the Bible? So there's different sins that we're called to challenge, and different works of darkness, different works of the flesh. We don't just say everything is evil indiscriminately. I, I agree that we can definitely distract ourselves from the deep problem, which is a spiritual issue of sin. Yeah. But actually, calling, specifying how different sins work themselves out is uh, is necessary. And I think, you know, we don't, we go, those lists of sins we see in the Bible are, are not exhaustive lists. So what, I do think racism the, is... What's the list of sins? A sin. With various lists of sins like in the New Testament. Like what for example, because of time... Give me the example, a short example of the list of sins in the Bible. So 1 Corinthians 6 will be one where you have sort of those who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God, um, such as those who practice homosexuality, etc. You could have Romans 1 where you have um, the, the kind of the ultimate problem of sin that we've chosen our creation rather than our creator. And then so God gave us up to the lusts of the flesh, including being inflamed with lust for one another. Uh, in terms of the but uh, same God sex doesn't stuff. call God doesn't call any of those things sins. Why do you call them sins? Well, we call. Uh, I think I think it's appropriate to call it a sin because it's, but it's part God of that. That's call theologically. It, if God doesn't call it sin, and none of the prophets call it sin, why do you call those things sin and not really point out what sin really is? Because I think that's uh, it, it. Like that is. It is theological. That is what sin is. But that's, because not, I think what, anything that's not what Christ did, called it. That's not what God called it. Why do you call it something that is not? Because by calling you, those things to sin, the people are fighting with those things, thinking that that's to sin. And as a result, they're not dealing with the real sin and they're not overcoming. Mm. Because if you well, overcame the, the, the real sin, those things would disappear. What do you see as the real sin then? So you don't, if you don't think those things that are listed at various points in the New Testament as works of darkness or works of the flesh or whatever we, the term is specifically, it's not, most Christians would say that sin is a category that is an umbrella over all of that. And so it doesn't really hinder someone. But the problem might, I think the thing you're getting at, it sounds like, is if you overemphasize that one of those particular categories, you miss the big picture, which is like our sin. Um, the real sin, but I, I just I think it's it's an outwork. Sin is like our condition. We're being corrupted, we're being but, corrupted in the fallen state, and actually we're ne we're needing to be renewed, and sit, like we're returning 
to our sinful state, which is kind of like an oxymoron. Like it shouldn't really be happening. But then that's the what Paul kind sin, of points out again and again. The real sin is of the heart. Anyone that has anger is mm. sinning because they're going against God. They're playing God. They judge themselves mm-hmm. and other people. And, and, when you, and, and as a result of being angry, which is hatred, which is judgment, you judge mm. yourself, you judge other people, and then you get into the nature of those things you name because that's mm. the nature of the devil. That's the nature of sin. It's the work of the mm-hmm. flesh because your mm-hmm. heart is wicked and separated from God. And so mm-hmm. if you overcome anger by forgiving and returning to the mm-hmm. Father, then that mm-hmm. nature, which is of the devil, homosexuality, mm-hmm. lesbians, mm-hmm. uh, rob, stealing, raping, murder, mm-hmm. gossiping, uh, revenge, mm-hmm. fear, loneliness, mm-hmm. all those things are the work of the devil because you are of yeah. the devil because your heart is of the mm-hmm. devil. Mm-hmm. But when you mm-hmm. realize you're wrong for being angry, and you repent mm-hmm. by forgiving, especially your mother, because she's recreated mm-hmm. you in her image. When you forgive them, your mother, your father, God will forgive you. And he would change the heart, salvations of the heart. And then he would destroy the works of the devil. All these things mm-hmm. you've been into, your vices and things like that. Because your nature mm-hmm. would change from that of the devil to the nature of God. Mm-hmm. And in his nature, none of those things exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just don't think that need, means you you can't call those other things that happen. But the, you the, call the, those things, and when you do that, you're covering up the real sin, which is of the heart. And most people never have to. deal with no, the you don't heart. Have to. You don't have to cover them up. It just means, I think you're right, I agree with you 100%. The heart issue is the issue. God and says salvation is of the heart. The Anyone that has anger Absolutely. is a murderer. 100%. Yeah, but so it just didn't not? go... You can you can still diagnose a particular issue. It's like someone's got a sickness, right? You don't go, hey, look, it's just sick. I just take them to the hospital. They're just sick. Well, sometimes it's helpful to know that they've got cancer, or it's helpful to know that they've got a broken leg, or that they their voice box has been busted or something. Then that's a very American term, busted. So, um, <laughs> it, like, it, like you go, you have different conditions, but they're still the same condition. We're still like a broken down body. We're still struggling. We're not in our perfect state. We're in the fallen state. But we need to diagnose certain issues. Now, that's what it is. It's all sin. But I can but it's just promise you, I promise you without a doubt, there's not one person walking this earth that has worked with the vices and not the heart. When they work mm. with the vices but not the heart, they never overcome. They never mm. get better. That's why they say, oh, I keep doing it over and over again. I keep sinning. I keep sinning. Mm. Because they have not dealt with the real thing. You yeah. deal with the Amen. heart. Yeah. You deal with the heart. And and and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and God will return you to Him. You would never sin any more of the heart, and then the vices would disappear. You wouldn't have to do them anymore either. Yeah, they would be taken yeah. away from you. Testify, brother, love it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it. The heart, the heart issue. It's is, the heart is the sin. Yeah, not, not yeah. the vices. I mean, the vices. It's just yeah. It's just the kind of it's the nature of the, the devil heart. because it's the works yeah. of the devil. Now you're of the devil, so you have his nature. I got to ask yeah. you this before time, and the reason I had you on, sure. Sure. So I really enjoyed <laughs> talking to you, by the way. Um, earlier this year, you were fired from your position at, at a Bible college for posting a tweet yeah. against gay marriage. Yeah. Can you quickly tell the people what happened? Yeah, so I was um, working at a theological college 
um, in, in England, and um, it was evangelical, linked to Methodism. Uh, Methodism had voted on same-sex marriage two years earlier. <clears throat> I'd been at this college lecturing and running the Masters of Mission program for seven years. Um, and I'd, I'd said behind the scenes for a few years, as this was coming up on the horizon, this marriage thing, that this is going to be a problem for conservative evangelicals like right. me, because if you express your view, I'm going to be offending the person who says that it's okay. And they say, don't worry, we don't, we don't force you to be pro-same-sex marriage. We're just saying there's two contradictory opinions of marriage that are both valid. And I said, well, that might work for the, for the liberal, the, the progressive person, so-called, um, because they can say, hey, I don't really mind if you disagree. I'm just going to get married to my boyfriend or whatever. Um, and, and, or I'm going to be happy that these people are getting married. I'm, I'm, I think God is for that. And I've read the Bible and I think that that's what the Bible says. And I say, they say, hey, if you disagree, it's okay. And I say, it's not that simple. For the conservative person, I believe that you're in sin. And therefore, I have to, as a preacher, as a theologian, I have to be able to express that that's wrong. Not just to say, oh, I have a difference of opinion here. So no, I have to say it's wrong and you're <laughs> sinful. Yeah. You're in sin. And if you tell me that I can't do that, then you're not really accepting my freedom to disagree. My freedom to disagree means telling you you're wrong. Your freedom to disagree might say just say nothing. Is that, you know, you can say, well, you believe what you want. I'm going to go over right. here. I can't do that. If I'm a Christian, I have to tell you that you're wrong. And you're going to feel like if everyone else is telling you that God loves what you're doing, he celebrates your having sex with someone of the same sex, he thinks it's wonderful, he doesn't think it's an abomination like he actually said. Um, it's actually the opposite of what the text says. I can't allow you to do that if we're in the same church, if we're in the same situation. So though as an academic, I recognize there's spaces where people have differences of opinion and universities are, that's partly what university is. You're exposed right. to different perspectives. So I didn't have to ex impose that on everyone. But I said, I have to be able to declare it wherever I think it's okay to. So on Twitter, this per a personal Twitter account, <laughs> I put a, a tweet out in February, February 19th, 2023, um, saying homosexuality is invading the church. Evangelicals no longer see the severity of this because they're busy apologizing for their apparently barbaric homophobia, whether or not it's true. This is a gospel issue, by the way, because if sin is no longer sin, we no longer need a savior. So that's what I put out and it caused mayhem, um, <laughs> all these liberals jumping all over it, saying I should be fired, etc. The college, then two hours after the tweet, I went to church. It was Sunday morning. It was a scheduled tweet. So it means it just, it kind of came out. I went off to church. I came back from church in the afternoon and it'd been, you know, Twitter lit up about it. You know, tens of thousands of people kind of going crazy. Um, I responded to some of the big um, critiques to say, look, I'm, I'm not homophobic. I'm not being hateful to in any individuals. I'm just saying homosexuality is sinful. There's no positive expression of homosexuality within Christianity. And it's invading the church because you've got people now in the Church of England, the established church in, the, in, in England, um, saying, yeah, you, this is inevitable. You've got to allow same-sex marriage in. Am I from the college? Did they fire you for saying that? Did you get fired? Yeah. Um, so that basically the college denounced my tweet two hours after I tweeted it without telling me. So they come out and said, we we're aware that one of our lecturers posted something that's very, un it's unacceptable, inappropriate language. It doesn't reflect the views of the college, which I was very surprised, <laughs> intrigued by. They didn't even contact me to tell me they were doing that. Wow. So then I've been denounced by the college. Everyone is going crazy. I get called into a meeting the next day. They say, can you, they sent me an email, said, can you delete your tweet? I said, I can't delete the tweet in good conscience because I've already been attacked for this. And if I delete it, like it's like I don't agree with what I said. And right. it proves the point of the tweet. And I'm not doing that. 
I can't. I said, I don't want to cause you trouble unnecessarily. I tried to be conciliatory. I said, look, let's have a talk, a discussion about this. But I don't think I should have to delete the tweet. I think actually the people who attacked me should be uh, chastised, um, not me. Um, and then, they, then I got suspended immediately that day. I had to leave the. I had half an hour to leave, clear, you know, not clear my office, but leave the office and get everything together. And I was, I was, I was going to be walked off the premises by security. Um, if I didn't, wasn't ready within half an hour. I was the threat. I'm a horrible person, obviously. And so, um, and then I wasn't allowed to communicate with any student or staff for the next, uh, for the suspension period. I then two weeks later, I get the letter, 17 page investigative report that was done on this one tweet. <laughs> 17 pages out of one, <laughs> out of 280 characters. Um, and then, and all of these letters of people who had been written in, there were coordinated attacks from the Methodist denomination. So all of the big wig, Methodist leaders, like the highest authorities in the, in the Methodist Church in the UK, wrote letters in to the college with the same kind of phrasing, like they'd all clearly met up and gone, let's put these phrases in. This is going to affect the college's ability to attract and retain students. They all had that same phrasing, like they'd all met up, let's put this phrase in and make sure. Yeah. Um, they, they, so then they've got evidence to use against me. So then in my in this report, it's like, look, all of these people who've said the Methodist Church might drop their funding from the college uh, we might not be able to get validated in future because, of, you know, maybe the university might stop validating us. Maybe these students will feel unsafe in your classroom and oh, that kind man. of thing. And they didn't list, and they didn't list a single person in support of me. And the funny thing was, when I announced on Twitter that I was suspended the next day, <clears throat> a bit like the Second World War, the Americans <laughs> came in late. So uh, I had all of this, there were hardly any Brits coming to support me on the Sunday. By the Monday or Tuesday, I had like 300,000 people who are evangelicals in the U in the US kind of going, what the heck? This is an evangelical college and this lecturer has just said something completely normal. Why is, why is he getting, why has he been suspended for this? <laughs> and so actually I had far more in support of me than were against me, but the college didn't, didn't take any of that into account. And they only quoted the people who were against me um, and used that and then fired me two weeks later without you know, any formal disciplinary. Yeah, I got fired for misconduct. And did um, you get rehired at another college, or, or what happened? No, I'm still, I'm still um, not employed. I, I felt, um, I realised this was a kind of moment, <laughs> a line in the sand, really, for how all colleges are going in this direction, yeah. and, and they're kind of linked into the system. And I think we need something that's a bit more off-grid, where we have a bit more freedom to actually be biblical um, and to express Christian faith and morality without being worried about what the government might say about you. So. One of the things they used against me as a threat, they didn't actually do it, but in the in the report it said, we're still considering, it's still under review whether or not to report this incident to prevent. Prevent is the UK government's anti-terrorism and hate speech kind of department. I don't know if you have an equivalent one in the US, but that's what... So if there's any kind of hate speech, racism, hate speech, whatever it would be, they would, they would be... Uh, the government need to know about it. So it's like they're worried, Whoa. they're kind of weighing up whether or not. They put that in there as a kind of like, hey, just, just so you know how bad this guy is, how how much legitimate weight we have to fire him for this. This is this is what we think. And I think and that's because they would just say, if someone says they're hurt, right. if someone feels harmed, that's enough. That's now evidence. I'm harmed by this view being expressed. Therefore, it, it must be harmful. And that's actually not true. It's not true that because you feel harm, yeah, it means right. that the person who you feel harmed by it has harmed you. It might be the case, but it wasn't in my case, I don't think. That's right. And so that's how they did it. So they fired me. So I'm now, yeah, so I'm basically in the process of trying to network and connect and find ways to, you know, 
do, do a bit of, I've been trying to do a bit of like lecturing and bits and here and there where I can with, when asked and speaking at conferences and things like that. Um, but I'm trying to think of ways that we can do theological education to train the leaders for the next generation who are going to be bolder, more right. courageous to stand on the word of God. So are you able to provide for your family now that you've been fired? Um, I wasn't. I, I did a, I did a crowdfunder and I managed to get some funding, um, which was a real blessing from God. So we've, we've kind of got just enough. We've got, it's very tight, but we've got okay. enough to kind of keep us going for, uh, at least 18 months or so. Well, Eddie, um, I want so that's to, kind of eventually I want you to tell the people how to help you, but let me do this before we like totally run out of time. Um, are you sure. the head of your wife? Amen. Yes. Nice. Does she obey you? <laughs> yes. Your wife yeah. obeys you. She does. Well, is she white? She does. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny that on the on the day of the uh, tweet, I went to the our church prayer meeting, and a guy came up to me and he said, "I felt God tell me something about you um, the last couple of days, um, that He's going to bless your ministry and you're, you're going to write books that are going to impact the church and this kind of thing." And uh, here's here's a blessing, and he gave me an envelope that said "Loved by God" on it, and I had about three hundred pounds, which is for five hundred dollars or something. Um, and it had, so I had some cash in there. I was like, oh, thanks. This might help me pay my rent this month. Then if you know about what happened on Twitter today, he's like, oh, I'm not on Twitter. I don't know what happened. So I thought he knew about all this problem. He didn't. He just felt God saying, I want to bless you. And God's going to look after you, right whatever on. that. And he didn't know anything. Yeah. So I got to go home that evening. My wife on that first night was still a bit in the place of like, couldn't you have worded it slightly differently, honey? Um, and <laughs> as, as, as a good sense of a wife might do. And I said, no, not really. But I said, it doesn't matter. I know that it's hard and I was, you know, I was in tears. It was really hard. It was a hard time knowing you kind of maybe wrecked your whole career. But I knew that God would be with me. And I was like, this, this money is only, it's only a small amount of money. It won't even pay a third of our rent this month. But I know that God's going to provide. This yeah. is like a seed of what he's going to provide. And absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've had loads of blessing and God has provided for us and, and we're really glad. And it's, so it's a horrible, stressful thing to have to happen. But actually, when you take a step of faith, God is with you. And if yeah. you're doing it for the right reasons, not just doing it to get attention, God is with you Absolutely. and he's not going to forsake you. So in short, what is a man? A man, an adult male, human, uh, maybe. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, and a man has to um, has to act masculine as, as, uh, as God has created us to be. Amazing. So, um, so I got to I gotta, uh, put you on the hot seat. I got to heat this up, put you on the hot seat. Are you ready? You for only the put me on the hot seat about racism. You put me on the hot seat about racism <laughs> earlier. Am I going into the double hot seat? I've got a double, double bonus heat if we got here. Okay, go on then. I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Ooh. Okay. The hot seat is Jesus God or the Son of God? Both. True or false, abortion is worse than slavery. True. Have you ever seen a ghost? No. Is America the greatest country, the best country on this side of heaven? No, Britain is. <laughs> Are you in Great favor? Britain for a reason. Come on. Are you in favor of the British monarch? Monarchy. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you believe in climate change? No. Is the earth flat or round? Round. 
Which do you prefer, tea or coffee? Tea. I like coffee too. Do educated women make for good wives and mothers? Yes. Depends how they're educated, though. <laughs> Maybe not university educated today. True or false? The woman, I mean, the God above is the man's God, and the God below is the woman's God. God above is the man's God, the God below is the woman's God. I don't know what you mean by God above and below there. You've got to clarify that. Like God in heaven above you is the man's uh -huh. God, and the devil in hell below you is the woman's God. No. No, that's not true? No, I don't think so. I'm trying to get my head around it. <laughs> Does the bear shit in the woods? Did the bear shit in the woods? Does does one does, does a bear? You saying does a bear go to the toilet in the Did woods? Did the bear shit in the woods? I don't know. <laughs> does a chicken have lips? No. Do men have a God-given right to own guns? Yes. Did you have fun? Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, man. <laughs> that was amazing. It was. It's good to be here. Good to be with you. Thank you. you. Know, tell, the uh, fun. tell the folks how to get to your GoFundMe, your website, whatever you want mm. to give out. Sure. Yeah. So I've got a, I've got a blog. If you want to follow any of my blog posts, um, it's a it's a stuff Substack blog called That Good Fight. ThatGoodFight.substack.com. You can you can sign up for those for free, and there's also a paid option. I've also got a stewardship account fund, so if you want to help fund us in the kind of explorations of what we're doing, I can set, put a link there in the presumably in the show notes, um, and you can um, feel free to come and give donations there, which would be wonderfully appreciated as well, I'm sure. Amazing. Well, thank you, man. I totally enjoyed that, and I really wish you well in what you're doing. I think you're very brave in standing for what is right, and we need more of that. Um, um, do you support the Great White Hope? What is the Great White Hope? You never heard of the Great White Hope? I've heard the phrase. I've heard the phrase, but do you know anyone that does this? No, but I do. I do that to my sons. Is that am I part of the Great White Hope? Is that what that means? <laughs> have I been? Have I been? Have I been Great White Hoping all along? <laughs> do you have you heard of Donald Trump? I have. The Great certainly. White Hope. Do you support him? Oh, I see. Right, right. Oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think Donald Trump was, a, uh, you know, did a lot of good. Um, Me certainly. Too. Roe v. Wade alone, Roe v. Wade alone should cement his legacy. Yeah. Um, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So I think, yeah, he did a lot of good. He's obviously not everyone's cup of tea or cup of coffee if you prefer coffee. <laughs> uh, we like tea over here. Um, but yeah, I think as it, it yeah, character does matter, and so I don't think his character is perfect at all. Yeah. But I think that he did achieve a lot of stuff, and he's talked a lot of sense. Um, I don't know whether I, he's definitely the best of the candidates at the moment. He's um, the best but, anywhere uh, in the world. Trump, Netanyahu, and Putin. Right. The dream team. 
That's the dream team. That's your that's your three aside. If you had a, a, a little uh, pickup game, pickup game, <laughs> excellent. All right, folks. Thank you. Don't remember you can support the Father State by going to thefatherstate.tv/donate and remember that we are locals.com. So click the link description to support our work. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, ring the bell, and let us know if there's anyone you'd like to see on the Father State. Contact my producer and let us know. I do appreciate it. Thank for your support. Check out the merch. And Darren, thank you so much for coming on, man. I absolutely appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, buddy. Take care. God bless. You too.